1: Welcome to On The Rock, God's Unchanging Word for Changing Times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's Word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On the Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead
0: by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. It is a blessed adventure to walk with God through Jesus. That's why we need to learn the Bible and some of the great lessons. And in today's program, we're going to get a taste of one of the greatest lessons of all, how to have strength in weakness. Our series is called Heartfelt and Inspired, Understanding Second Corinthians, a verse-by-verse audio commentary. We're in chapter 11, verses 28 to 33, the last part of this chapter. And Paul has been explaining himself, contrasting his ministry, which is the real deal, as we learned in the last lesson, to that of the false apostles who are in it for the gain, in it for the acclaim, in it for what they can take, and really not for what they can give. And certainly, they have not paid even a fraction of the price for ministry significance that Paul has done, because, of course, they they are fake. That's why. In this particular lesson, we're going to learn a little bit about that wonderful principle of strength strength. In weakness. And furthermore, what separates Paul from the impostors is many things, but one of them is his absolute care for the souls of people. In our modern period, where there's so much corporatization of the church, and where some pastors are actually becoming more like CEOs, worried about numbers and money, it is important to remember that God isn't so impressed with numbers and money. After all, he's got all the numbers and money he needs. He owns the cattle of the thousand hills and the silver and gold is his. No, God cares about people, and his true servants have a heart for others. So, first of all, Paul talks about how after he has faced all these dangers and inconveniences, he has another concern. My deep interest in the church. Who is weak, and I am not weak. Who is offended or stumbles, and I do not burn with indignation. And then he goes and say, if I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. All right, so what we learn in this passage is that Paul has enormous responsibilities. Overwhelming. He not only founded churches, but he still has an abiding concern for those churches, even though he has handed them over to local pastors. That's part of being an apostle. It's like a father figure. You care about all your children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. And so he has that on top of his own suffering. And he talks about the effect of if somebody is weak, he also feels that weakness. And if someone is offended, needlessly, offended because somebody didn't do the right thing by them, he burns with indignation. Now, there's a lot of offensive things that happen in our world. It's a fallen world. But let's also remember that some of that offensiveness, if we don't guard it, will spill over into the church. And people who should be won for Christ will be repelled from Christ because of the wrong conduct conduct of people in the house of God. Well, that needs to be avoided, and that's where it takes some strong anointed leadership to set things right. But then he goes on to say this, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast concerning not my strengths. Not my responsibilities and not my resume, but in my infirmities, which means not that he's sick, but in his weaknesses and in his limitations and in his suffering. Well, that's, of course, what he's been doing throughout all of chapter 11 of Second Corinthians, talking about his sufferings, his challenges, his trials, his tribulations. That's what he's been boasting of. He doesn't boast about how many souls he has won to Christ, how many churches he has planted, how he has outmaneuvered all his opposition single-handedly. He doesn't talk about that. He talks about his infirmities because basically it works like this. When we are weak and we surrender to God and we allow God to take control and that Christ in us, the hope of glory, is now in charge, then the weakness becomes strength because Christ in us, the hope of glory, works in us a powerful eternal work that we could never do in our own flesh. Now we're going to read the whole passage of 2 Corinthians 11:28 to 33. 2 Corinthians 11:28 to 33. This is after Paul has described his suffering, now he talks about another dimension. Besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak, And I am not weak, who is offended, and I burn not. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed for evermore, knoweth that I lie not. In Damascus the governor under Aretas, the king, kept the city of the Damascenes with a garrison, desirous to apprehend me. And through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped His hands. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 28 to 33. Strength in Weakness. This is the title of our lesson. So, Paul is telling us hey, this is not for rookies being an apostle. It is not a glamorous glory job. There is a lot of hard work and there can be limitations and indignities. Of course, in Paul's case, he was exceptional. Exceptional in his suffering and exceptional in his outcomes. I mean, he is a singular individual, no doubt about it. Author of half the New Testament, a man that single-handedly brought the Christian faith to all parts of, or many parts of Asia Minor, as well as into Europe itself. I mean, it's just an incredible legacy. One that we all benefit from till now. So in verse 28, he says, beside those things that are without, meaning outside, then comes upon me daily the care of the churches. So if that weren't enough, after all the suffering that has been cataloged by Paul, which is very impressive and breathtaking, he now adds this dimension that though he just passes through the fire again and again, if that wasn't enough, he worries about the welfare and governance of the churches. This should not be surprising. His care for the churches is evident throughout all the epistles. He is truly that father figure that I mentioned already. Fathers never stop caring about their children. Fathers never stop worrying about their children. Not that we should sit there biting our fingernails in anxiety, but I remember one wise woman said to me years ago, uh, talking about grown-up adult married children. She said this, Your children will never stop needing you, and you will never stop being concerned about them. That's very true. And again, can I say that, yes, if you've raised functional, healthy, balanced children, godly children, then you really have little worry. But what happens to them does affect you even after they move out and have families of their own. And this is where Paul is, except in this case, it's Paul that moved out, because as an apostle, he kept moving on. He worries about The churches. And you know, we need people to be concerned about the churches, the local church and the church at large. Because people who are not genuine really don't care about the churches, though they feign such a care. But they have other motives. Usually it's for acclaim or more so for money, which is strange because, in one sense, there's not a whole lot of money to be made in ministry per se, but as ministries grow, it does involve a lot of money to keep the ministry going. And that's even with efficiency, with cost-cutting, looking for discounts, all that. Even with these parameters, ministry costs a lot of money. What you don't want is for that money to stick on your fingers. Well, with the false people, it does, no problem. Paul's not like that. He has a genuine concern for the churches. And he goes on to say, who is weak and I am not weak. So, if somebody is weak— Remember, think of the analogy of the body, which is used in 1 Corinthians. When one member of the body is weak, the whole body is weak. When one member of the body is in pain, the whole body is in pain. So here is Paul basically saying, if somebody in the church is weak, I am weak with them. I have to put myself in their shoes. I have to show some empathy. I have to encourage them to become strong in the Lord. He goes on to say, who is made to stumble? And I don't burn. I don't burn with indignation which is implied there's a lot of stumbling blocks in the world as i said and there's a lot of stumbling blocks even in the church shouldn't be but it happens friends let's do our best to get rid of the stumbling blocks to neither offend nor be offended and if somebody stumbles let's say for example and this is to be honest a very common example some people believe it's okay to drink publicly alcohol and as Christians, and many don't. I think the Scripture is clear: don't do anything that will cause someone to stumble. What you do in private, in a good conscience before God, is one thing, but doing it publicly, where others may take offense, frankly, is is very wrong. And we read that, of course, and learned it in First Corinthians. So, if somebody is made to stumble, it could also be made to stumble by how people dress. Sometimes they leave little to the imagination. How people speak. Sometimes their language is. Is, uh, well, not much different from the world. Let's put it that way. Anything that will cause a younger person in the Lord or a weaker person in the Lord to stumble must be avoided. That's part of Christian charity. That's part of Christian maturity. Paul's saying if people neither show the charity or the maturity to refrain from offensive behavior, he will burn with anger because people can be ha- walk away from church and from faith because of the bad conduct and bad attitude of those found within the house of God. So let's bear this in mind. If we're really spiritual people becoming fruitful in God, we will not be a stumbling block to anybody. We will be a role model and a source of edification. So can I make an appeal to my listeners? Always consider others even before yourself. I know this goes against the grain of our current self-centered narcissistic culture but biblical spirit-filled christianity is often countercultural to begin with oh praise god for the times that biblical spiritual christianity has positively influenced culture we thank the lord for that all the time but there will be times often i might add that true biblical spirit-filled christianity will Go against the culture. Don't be afraid to be countercultural. After all, in the 1960s, it was a badge of honor to be countercultural, to be a hippie, to be rebellious, to be an anti-war protester. Now, I'm not asking that we be like that. But what I am saying is, in a world that puts the individual above the welfare of the community we need to have a different mindset and to march to a different drummer consider the feelings and the spiritual position of those that are watching you particularly younger ones in the faith and be a sterling example to them not a stumbling block consider it well because that's how paul was And God blesses that kind of thoughtfulness, that kind of care, that kind of concern. And what God does for others, he will do for you. So be like Paul. Care for the weak. And rescue those who stumble. And please remember, this is different to political correctness, which is not led of the Holy Spirit, which is really, it's gone beyond just a political movement to a spiritual dynamic, where people are basically muzzled from saying what they really think, or they're taught to say things they don't really believe, just because they might, just might offend somebody, when chances are they wouldn't have offended anybody. Furthermore, political correctness is one of the greatest challenges to the free sharing of the gospel of Christ we have faced in modern times. So, make sure you're discerning the difference between political correctness, versus being a mature Christian that is mindful for the care of others and wants to be a blessing, not a stumbling block. Let's move on to 2 Corinthians 11, verse 30. Paul talks about, if I have to boast in anything, I'm going to boast to that which is regarding my infirmity. Now, we don't think he's talking about sins here, infirmity, and we don't think he's necessarily talking about his uh, illnesses, infirmities can deal with things like his weaknesses. Everybody has strength and everybody has weaknesses. I like what one famous uh, communicator said, don't try to fix your weaknesses. You're weak in your weaknesses. Work on your strengths. All right, well, we should, but we also have to at times deal with weaknesses too. Infirmity can mean limitations. Infirmity can mean paucity or lack rather than sin itself. After all, what godly person wants to boast persistently about about recurrent sin. That's unthinkable. So Paul is not talking about his sin. He's talking about his weaknesses, his limitations, his lacks. And while Paul outlines his pedigree, qualifications, and suffering, he will focus more on how God compensates in the face of all these things. Remember, he's not tuning his horn on how wonderful he is. He was actually saying how much he suffered. But in the weakness, God brought a wonderful, world-transforming work. This, in essence, is strength in weakness. No, Paul suffered all these things, yet Christ in him, the hope of glory, worked through him despite it all, bringing a legacy that has blessed us to <laughs> beyond measure. Verse 31, 2 Corinthians 11. He goes on to say, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. Now, he's basically saying God is his witness. He's telling the truth. He's telling the truth of everything he shared about his ministry in chapter 11 till now. He's basically saying, I am sincere. I am truthful. I mean every word. And then Paul goes on to give a most intriguing biographical detail, verses 32 and 33. He says, just almost out of the blue, in Damascus, which it was near Damascus, that he saw the light, he repented of his sins, he put his trust in Christ the Messiah, or Jesus the Messiah, Christ and Messiah are the same, and then he goes into Damascus, and it says the governor of Damascus under Aretas the king. He was the one that kept the city of the Damascenes with a garrison, and he wanted to apprehend Paul. And so, that's a weakness. I mean, here he is a little apostle, or at, well, probably not even functioning at that point as an apostle. He's just newly repented and come to faith. He's about to be apprehended. What is he going to do? And so, there was a window in a house by the wall. He was put in a basket, and I would say it probably a fairly large basket, and he was lowered down by a rope in this basket from the wall, and he escapes for his life. All right, this guy never had a dull moment. In all his suffering, he found that God was more than enough compensation to bring all the results they could imagine. This, in a sense, is what we call true biblical meekness. Remember, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness is where we become reduced and God becomes increased. That weakness turns to strength and we can fulfill our ministry call. Let me say it again. Meekness is where we decrease, God increases, and we can fulfill our our ministry call. So as our lesson is be called Strength Through Weakness. Here's another angle of the lesson for life. In the economy of God, your natural strengths can become spiritual weakness and yet your natural weaknesses can become spiritual strength. Remember to visit our homepage where you can sign up for the free monthly Issachar teaching e-letter, helping you to become future ready through articles on the Bible, victorious living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Also, visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education. And thank you for liking our page. Heavenly Father, as we come to you in Jesus' name, we rejoice in the glory of God. We rejoice that when we are weak, then we are strong. We rejoice that as we decrease, you increase so that everybody can be reached. Let us remember it's not a reproach to be meek. It is wisdom. It is power. And we shall inherit the earth through Christ the Lord. Amen.
1: Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley, 3149.